Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Goddamn Podcast. This is Mark Joseph Bennett. Mark Joseph Bennett checking in, saying hello. This is Friday. Friday, I this is about when I put out a podcast. Sometimes it's Thursday, sometimes it's Friday. I can't be fucking tied down. Not to specific days. You know, I don't, don't need to be consistent the way everybody says you're supposed to be. I do what I want. That's what I've been doing my whole life. I just do what I want. And um, it sounds like a good thing, but yeah, maybe you need, sometimes you need to make bigger sacrifices. You know, like, like I was just thinking that maybe I wouldn't do this podcast right now because I'm not, I'm more interested in doing some videos right now. I like, I've been really enjoying the video tech, but that's not how you do things. You gotta, you can't, you just can't let one thing drop for the next thing. You can't just constantly be grabbing different vines, you know, swinging around in the jungle. You gotta, you gotta stick to something and you got, in fact, you got to stick to many things. You get consistent output. Like I, what I was walking down to the uh, Toyota Prius recording studio and I was thinking to myself, what kind of things was I going to talk about? And, uh, I thought of no things. And then I said, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to just start, I'm just going to start talking. And, uh, it's like Tony Robbins would say, you just, you, you get up and you go. And then, like, it, listen, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of, uh, Tony Robbins anymore. Anyway, I used to for a while. And let me tell you something, it helped. It really, it was motivating. I just, you know, you get older, you get, you could say smarter, but let's just go with more cynical, you know, and the guy is, he's a salesman. And as you've heard me bleat on, on the podcast, I have a distaste for sales, for just the idea of selling, selling, selling. There, there, there has to be a better way to describe who you are as a person. I'm a salesman. There's this guy who I've mentioned before on the podcast, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's very popular on the social medias. He took like a wine business his dad had, and it was making about a million dollars a year, which wasn't a lot for a company to be making. He basically, they were they were just living okay, you know, making a very small profit. And he turned it into like a, I don't know, a $40 million company or some shit like that in a couple of years. And then, then he just, now he's pretty much shows everybody else how to do social media. And he's always... And, and and he his big thing is, you know, sales. Be a seller. You gotta sell. How can I find those customers? I sell to those customers. And at least with that guy, I give him leeway in that he has a product. So what he's saying is I need to get my product in the eyes, you know, in the eyes and the ears of these people. They need to know I have a product and then they need to want this product. That I get that. It's just, you know, I d- does everything have to be a fucking pitch? Like in my business, to go uh, try to get a show on TV, you got to do a pitch session. I'm going to pitch you my ideas. I'm going to sell you my ideas. So I got a middle-aged man who's morally ambiguous. What do you think of that? Every single television network. My friend came over to watch Game 7 of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, Ottawa Senators, and uh, Pittsburgh won, and I was very glad about that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm a Pittsburgh fan, and number two, I feel that uh, the Ottawa Senators 
that they're good guys. You know, it's a, it's a, I have, I like the city. I like the hockey team, but their coach, uh, Guy Boucher, ha, he takes pride in, in having a system of hockey where the other team doesn't score. His whole system is to deny hockey being played. That's his system. Oh, you guys, you, you want to come here and compete and play hockey? No, we're going to shut you down. So no hockey gets played. The Ottawa Senators, they weren't, their games weren't sold out. They were in the conference finals, the step before the Stanley Cup finals, and their game six wasn't even sold out. Like the, the owner of the team put out a tweet, said to his fans, we need you more than ever because there were so many empty seats. You could just buy a seat online from the from the venue in if you're not familiar with hockey in Canada that does not happen that is crazy shit and I like if I live in Toronto it's a four and a half hour drive from from Ottawa so if I had known I could have just bought tickets from the arena for like what 25 bucks I would have gone to see the game but here's the thing I'm almost glad I didn't see the game because it was so fucking boring and that's the problem. And I was shitting on the Ottawa fans for a while saying what kind of city can't even sell out a conference final in in a hockey crazy Canada. It's the, the Ottawa is the nation's capital and you can't sell out a fucking hockey game. That's insane. But it's not the fans fault. It's fucking Guy Boucher and his trap. You know, like, so for those of you who are not familiar with hockey, they basically, they clog up the neutral zone and they stand there on the blue line so nobody can get in to have a shot on the goaltender. So it it's just the prevention of hockey being played is the most boring fucking thing to watch. And it, it happened in like the early 90s. Everybody was doing this trap defense type system and people stopped watching hockey because what the fuck would you watch it? You know, like, might as well go watch soccer. It, it, there's no point in watching this shit. So uh, then they 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 did a lockout. Uh, the NHL owners did a lockout. They put in a pile of rules in place. They just they they actually the NHL had to take it upon themselves to fix this situation because nobody was watching a fucking game. And they did that. They fixed the situation right before Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin played their rookie seasons. And thank Jesus they did because. Uh, Hockey was shit at that time. Anyway, the pro- the point is the Ottawa Senators were trying to bring back this type of hockey, and they got really far into the playoffs. And I I fear I fear that other teams will try to emulate them next year, and uh, hockey will start to nosedive again. So no offense to the Ottawa fans. I have family in Ottawa, um, but that I wish your team had not gotten as far as they did. I certainly needed them kicked out before they got to the to the Stanley Cup finals. Jesus, like you can't you can't reward that type of behavior. You just fucking can't. Anyway, my friend came over for the game 7, which Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins won. And he was saying that he uh was watching a show on AMC and uh it was and somebody pointed it out or he read it somewhere that they do the same formula every time, which is a morally ambiguous middle-aged white man. And uh, that's what does all the show. And it's true, you know, uh, Walter White, uh, Breaking Bad, you got Better Call Saul, of course, the spinoff of that. You had uh, Mad Men with, uh, uh, you know, Don Draper. 
Um, there are many other examples on the on the thing, but I, I can't go through them because I can't remember them. Oh, uh, Walking Dead was another one with Rick Grimes. And um, you, just, you can just look it up yourself, and you will see that is their formula. And I tell you what, the world is still really, really dictated by uh, middle-aged to old white men. Like the Trump getting in, the Brexit, the, there's just a lot of white people that, um, I, I don't know, it's population-wise, or, or, or they're, they're the ones with the money, I, or, or both, but they fucking, they own everything. So, like, it, and so you can't blame a network, you know, they're like, oh, we want to do an all-female cast, and then some fucking scumbag executive says, well, that won't get as high numbers as The Walking Dead or Breaking Bad, what, what we'd like to have is a middle-aged white man. Who's morally ambiguous? I mean, what can you what can you say to that prick who doesn't want, say, a black lead or a female lead or a female black lead? Like that guy, he's right by the numbers. They make more money if they do it the other way. You know what I mean, guys? It's just let's not go let's not go negative and say that the world. But this is this is what I'm fucking talking about. Since everyone is only interested in the dollar in the selling. We can't get past this phase. We can't get past it. People are just worried about, well, if Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead have great numbers, then let's just keep doing things like that. Whereas to say, oh, so if you have a, a strong female lead, it doesn't get maybe as, as good numbers. It's just, well, yeah, but maybe that's just because that's the way people are expecting their TV to be. And so somebody has to take the risk and make the adjustment, but they fucking won't because the world is just about being a salesman. You know, it's just anyway about the Tony Robbins being a salesman. I just got sick of the guy with his and, and not just the selling. He loves Jesus and. You know, I just, I I don't know. But I will say that it helped me initially. I kind of wish I was my old 20-year-old self full of piss and vinegar, you know, and you can listen to Tony Robbins and buy into it fully. I miss those days where I can just listen to a guy go, just imagine your dreams. Just imagine them and they will come true. You don't need to know the how. You just need to know the why. It was that shit, you know, and then I get all the butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to know how I'm going to be a world famous comedian. I just need to know the reasons why and the reasons why. And then you make them altruistic, you know, to to help my family, you know, so that they can have a better life, you know, and so that I can pursue. Yeah, fucking. ugh. You just, you know, those those. Dream boards. What was that fucking shit that the women were doing for a while? The the dream board. Is it a dream board? I don't know. It's some kind of board where they put their goals up and they read them and then it all comes true. Your wishes come true. Or Jim Carrey and his fucking. And let me tell you, I got a few things to say about Jim Carrey. Uh, Jim Carrey and his, you know, he barely wrote himself a check for $20 million and uh, and then he got it for the mask 
and then he buried it with his dad when his dad died, and it's this big story. See, and you just you write it down, you write write it down, and you laminate it, and you keep it with you. You look at it all the time. You look at it five times a day, and then your subconscious is working on your dreams, and it all sounds fucking great, and it sort of works. It sort of works, but then you're just you're just some kind of goddamn salesman or some you're you're going after things in like a very base manner you're not really doing it right you just i i want a million dollars i'm going after a million dollars i'm going to write that down on a check it's like what yeah but what why and, just, and so now i'm an older person i'm 39 and i can't Suffer that bullshit. I can't just go, just dream it. Just live your bliss, guys. Just think about what you want and then you go for it. And no one fucking, the world is complicated and it's tragic and it has its ups and its downs and you gotta fight like a motherfucking son of a bitch to keep some kind of moral center and to try to do the right thing. And to try to have a balance one way or the other. Yeah, and just to, and and live a quality life. I think that's what I'm trying to say. It is not easy to live a quality life. You and you know, being fucking uh what's his name? Who's Iron Man? Robert Downey Jr. Does that mean you're awesome? No. In fact, often it means you're a piece of shit. Not that Robert Downey Jr. is a piece of shit. I don't know him. I assume he's a piece of shit. But to talk about Jim Carrey, I was about to say about Jim Carrey. There's this new fucking show on called I'm Dying Up Here. It's about stand-up. Let me tell you something. This is so fucking infuriating. When I was pitching shows, pitching, gotta sell, you gotta sell your show, I need a million dollars a year because I love sales. So anyway, when I was pitching shows back in the day, I would often do them about stand-up. And I used to hear fucking time and time again, myself and uh, two other comedian friends, we actually pitched a show at Just for Laughs at the pitching sessions. So in front of a panel of people, it's sort of an entertainment show, sort of a a real pitching uh, network thing. And... um, we heard then what we heard so many other times is that, well, you can't do a show around a comedian or especially you can't do a show about stand up comedy because, you know, Seinfeld was on the air at the time. That's been done. So it's been done, guys. There's no more room for a comedian, a stand up comedy show. And every fuck. And since then, like it's still happening. People are still doing. There are several shows out right now. Pete Holmes has got a show out about being a stand-up comic and it's really good and uh now jim carrey is executive producing another show about stand-up but let me tell you something i think this one's gonna ruin it i think this is the one that is gonna fucking break this stand the stand-up hit is so strong right now i uh once again mark bennett has missed the boat it is so popular stand-up comedy netflix is pouring millions of dollars in they just bought like a seinfeld special which isn't going to be great because seinfeld is just you know he's getting older and anyway 
no offense to Jerry, but it's just I I would bet my bottom dollar that that's not going to be amazing. Uh, Dave Chappelle, they gave him like 60 million bucks or whatever the fuck it was. And Louis C.K., they gave him the same deal. You know, just money, money, just pouring money. Like every, it's getting so saturated right now. Everyone thinks stand up is so hot. It's like, like the back in the day when Andrew Dice Clay, when he blew up big, like when stand up back then, it was so huge. Comedy clubs popping up all over the place. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry making a fucking fortune. People who weren't comedians at all making tons of money. And then it just crashed, and it crashed hard. Enter Mark Bennett. That's when I started stand-up comedy, back in uh, the the, uh, very late 90s, I guess. No, early 2000s. Anyway, stand-up was absolutely dead. There was nobody going to comedy clubs. There were no comedy clubs around. You know, and, and but now it's so fucking popular, at least on TV and YouTube and Netflix and HBO. So and it's going to and now it's going to fall off a cliff. I can feel it. I can feel it. And I never got my Netflix special. Fuck fucking sons of bitches. See, Jim Carrey is doing he's the executive producer of this show you know those shows when you know they're just trying to goddamn hard so they're trying to make it a drama really you're going to make a a show about stand-up comics a drama it's like ah you're fucking you're already fucking dead in the water you idiots jesus christ and they tried to make it about the 70s and i watched the fucking trailer and I almost threw up in my mouth because it's just they all got like the exaggerated mustaches. They look like they're in the fucking music video for Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Like it's that level of fucking campiness. You know, like the Beastie Boys were did a hilarious video for Sabotage. Like you just make spoofing on all those 70s you know, cop movies. It was hilarious and well, really well done. And uh uh, the guy who died was the guy who actually directed the video. So, MCA, yeah, that's his name, right? MCA, fucking obviously he's a genius. He's a great. He was a great rapper, and he to direct that video that was just that was a great concept, great direction, you know. But you know, they too bad he's dead. Maybe they could have helped. He could have helped them with this show about the fucking seventies, and and maybe he would have said, "You have to make it a comedy." You know, and it has to be a spoof. What are you fucking... So they're they're trying to get that... I don't know what vibe they're going for. The fucking uh, Boogie boogie Nights or some shit. You know, that same one. Remember that fucking Christian Bale movie recently where he's... Uh, where they they were completely and utterly copying the uh, the the 70s gangster movies? All right, I shouldn't have brought that up because I do not know uh, the movie I'm talking about. It had a gold gold in it, something about gold. Hang on, I'm going to pause it. I'm going to find this. Okay, it was American Hustle. So gold, I don't know where the fuck that came from, but it was American Hustle, the one with uh, Christian Bale and Bradley Cooper and that lady, what's her name, that piece of shit. Uh, what is her fucking name? Jennifer Lawrence. Old J-Lo. Is that her? Is that what people... J-Lo. That's what people call her. Fucking overrated piece of shit. Anyway, sorry if you're listening, J-Lo. I know you love the podcast. But that fucking nonsense of a movie that uh, I've already forgotten the name of. What was it? 
American Hustle. Not a not a catchy name. Not sticking in my head. American. It was a. It just a guy. It was a total Scorsese ripoff, but without any of the goodness. And when I watched, I was like, "Is this guy just? Is he trying to make a joke Scorsese movie?" And then, sure enough, I read some interview by the guy. He was like, "Well, I was really obsessed with Scorsese my whole life." D- really? Were you? You piece of shit. Obviously, you fucking tried to mimic him frame for frame, but you missed it. You missed all the soul and the heart. And then, and when movies are like that, they just become laughable. And that's what this fucking seventies thing is. With the, it's about. St- stand-up comics in the 70s trying to get on Johnny Carson and it looks so fucking forced and so fucking shitty oh my god I don't know I could be wrong you know I often judge things based purely on their uh, commercials and I gotta tell you 99.9% of the time I am correct it is I I don't see how anybody struggles deciding whether or not they'd like something from a commercial because I'm almost always right in to me like, you see the commercial, and you just know it's a fucking train wreck. And I see it, and I just know they're just like, they're, they're in the, oh, I don't know, the back room of some fucking comedy club, and they're, they're like swigging whiskey. And the guy's like, I'm going to be sitting on the couch with Johnny tomorrow. He's like, Yeah, the only way Johnny's going to let you on the couch is if they're having some kind of garage sale or so. It was like the wor- worst fucking thing. I just. And I feel bad because I know some comedians are going to be in there playing 70s versions of themselves. Oh, God. It's just Jim Carrey, like, you got no fucking business, dude. You got no fucking business executive producing a show about stand-up comedy in the 70s. And I'll tell you why, my friend. And I know you're a, I know you're a fan of the show. I know you're listening right now to the podcast. And I'm sorry that I have to be the one to tell you this. But um, you gave up stand-up comedy like 30 years ago. You didn't do it that long. And that's no, no, hey, you know, no skin off your nose. That is, that's fine. You, you had a great career. You went off and you became a comedic actor. And then you became a bit of a serious actor. And uh, you've done very well for yourself. And I don't think you should regret that one little bit. But see, that's the thing about stand-up comics. They always judge themselves by their ability to do stand-up. It, it's the thing that terrifies us the most. It's the thing we value the most. You know, it's just because it's you. It's you. So if you're good at it, it's like you're worth something. That's that's our fucked up mind. That That's how stupid we are as comedians. We think that type of shit. And I know he thinks that type of shit. I have done some of the same exact gigs that he did. I I know I've, I've felt a little bit of Jim Carrey's trajectory, and I I know what's eating at him. And uh, I knew a guy actually; uh, he's dead now, but uh, he was a guy who knew Jim very well. And um, this guy was telling me that Jim always talked about maybe I'll just maybe I'll get back into stand-up, maybe I'll do a few sets here and there. And his friend, rightfully so, was like, "Don't you fucking do that, man! Just why would you invite that shit? Just..." You got a great life. You're a rich man. Go off. You can you can do good, meaningful work, but you don't. It doesn't have to be stand up. You know, it's so. Of course, it's gnawing at him. So what does he do? He decides I'm. I'll just produce. I'll be the executive producer of a show about stand up back in the day. Back before stand-up was, you know, what it is today. Well, we'll see the grassroots. It's like you you didn't do stand-up back then. 
and you gave up stand up a long time ago. Like so, so he his foot is in neither pond. It's in neither pond. I'm gonna say neither. Neither pond. Neither. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I got caught up on that, but. You don't have a toe in the real stand-up world of today. You don't have a toe in the old 70s stand-up world. If Steve Martin was the executive producer of that show, I would go, all right, now let me take a look, see at that. Now, granted, if I'd still seen that fucking commercial for it, I would be like, Steve Martin, what the fuck are you doing, my friend? You're better than that. But see, the reason that Steve Martin's executive producer show wouldn't have that commercial is because Steve Martin is smarter than that. And I feel bad for Jim. I feel bad for... He's an avid listener of the I Said Shut Up podcast. So it hurts me to say this to him. But Jim, man, this was a mistake. You're gonna fucking... And and it offends me. Because you you are the one that just kicked it over the ledge. You just... It, it's got some actress lady is um, some one woman who won the Oscar or something... She played, like, Mark, not Ruffalo, Mark Wahlberg's, Mark Wahlberg's mom in The Fighter. Hey, with Christian Bale. Look at that. Oh, the connections here. So the lady that played the mom in that movie is, like, this hard-nosed comedy club owner who's trying to nurture the talent. He's just, ah, you got it all wrong. Fucking all wrong. Pete Holmes, his... Stand-up comedy show. He's got it right. Go watch that one. But Jesus. Now I'm saying this without having watched an episode. It has not yet premiered. But mark my words. Listen to this. This podcast is going to go out on the 26th or the 27th of May. I think it premieres June 2nd. I know. I know what's going to happen. It's going to be one of those fucking train wrecks. Do you know what it's a bit like, actually? it's uh, Remember when they had 30 Rock and Live at the Sunset Strip? So there was 30 Rock, which was basically a show with Tina Fey, executive produced by Lorne Michaels, about Saturday Night Live. And then there was another uh, one with Matthew Perry as the lead about the head writers of basically Saturday Night Live. And guess which one is considered one of the greatest shows of all time and which one went off the air after one season? It's just you tried to make a fucking drama I like this this cutting biting drama. No, Lorne Michaels and Tina Fey, they they had the ability to make the drama if they wanted. They were the ones with almost the most experience, well, definitely the most experience you could possibly have. Lorne fucking Michaels, he invented Saturday Night Live. Tina Fey was their head writer. So, they if anyone is going to make a drama about it, it would be them. But of course, they were smart enough to go why in the fuck would we make a drama about the writer's room of a comedy show? Yeah, let Matthew Perry, the actor, not a comedian, by the way, an actor. Let's let him do that. And and then the network got involved and they just, it was a fucking train wreck. This is exactly that. Do you people not learn any lessons? I tell you what, Hollywood never learns lessons. This is one of the reasons I feel so free when I just do the podcasts and I do the YouTube videos because I just, it literally turns your stomach with the thought process of everything about New York, Los Angeles, 
at Toronto, the Canada. It's just we. Uh, it's what it is. It's exhausting. I'm just sick to fucking death of it. So you feel like the shackles are are off. I'm a free man. Emancipation from Mark Bennett. I'm I'm probably not allowed to use that word. I'm probably not. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just you know. I get emotional. You know. Really, should listen to some Tony Robbins. I tried. I tried to re-listen to some Tony Robbins a little while ago because I remember how much it motivated me in my uh, mid-twenties. And it just, it doesn't fucking carry any weight, you know? You you just, you have to be a real reasoned person. And then you go, do do things to expand yourself. You know, like my wife, Jesus Christ. You know, I, I'm going to talk about it. She asked me, are you going to talk about my blog when you do your podcast? Yes, of course I'm going to talk about the blog. Because my wife, um, who is a lawyer, she's doing just fine. More than just fine. She's doing great, really. Wait a second. All right, I'm back. I just had got a text from uh, Daryl Purvis's friend. She is staying at Daryl's. Daryl is in Ottawa, coincidentally. Ottawa. We've been talking a lot about Ottawa, but um, she Daryl is in Ottawa. I am a neighbor of his, so he's having some lady stay at his place while he's gone. And uh, so I ran over to give her the keys, and then I let her in. Felt a bit weird because I kind of I opened the door for her, and you know, then she's like, "Who's this fucking guy? I don't know this guy." And he's just gonna he's just gonna unlock the door for me. You know, what if trouble happens? She could be thinking that. I mean, I'm not trouble, but she. She could be, she's definitely well within her rights to worry, you know, and then, and then I, because I'm, I'm me. And so that made me feel a little awkward, like, oh, maybe I should have just handed her the keys and taken a step backwards and say, hey, there's nothing here but happiness. There's no raping happening, you know, like, but instead I'm like me. So I'm a, ugh, super awkward and I tried to be a gentleman. So I opened the door for her and, and now she's like, who's. It, what, does this guy think he's fucking gonna come in for a period of time? And I did, so I just I I bolted. Is what I'm saying. What I'm what I'm saying is I just wish I'd been nicer to her. So Daryl, please tell your friend Lane, I believe her name is, that I I would have liked to have been nicer, but I'm an awkward person. Now, he knows that. I mean, he'll tell her that anyway. You know, it's just Daryl is so fucking nice. You know, he just, he has all these friends like, who's this lady? I've known Daryl for 15, 16 years. I've never heard of this woman. And yet he knows her well enough to say, yeah, come when you're in Toronto, come stay at my place. You know, like he just, and he, he, that happens once a fucking week. Like he's always, there's all these people coming through. He's like a, he's like a fucking bed and breakfast, except with, with friends that he's made over the years. And why? Because he, what he would have said to Lane, if he was me, he would be like, hey, so you're in town, you know, if you want to have a nice time, you want to come out, you know, me and my wife, he, you know, I, I could have said that. That, that, that fuses the situation that I want to wrestle you down on the ground when you're saying I have a wife and she'll be here too, so don't worry about that. So I could have said, maybe, you know, if you wanted to come over, uh, me and my wife were at home, we, you know. I couldn't ask her out for a drink with me and my wife because then we'd have to leave a baby home and you can't do that. But I felt like, you know, I just feel like Daryl Purvis would have found a way to have been 
gregarious. He would it, it, to be inviting to find a, you know, I'm just like, well, here's your keys. Go fuck yourself. That's just who I am. Okay. I got to be better than that. I got to be nicer. The last time one of Daryl's friends came into town, uh, I said to the guy, hey, you want to go grab a beer? which was on the pub right on the corner, because I like a beer. And this guy, Daryl, told me he likes beers. And he and Daryl were planning to have beers like an hour later, so I figured it makes a lot of sense for me. And I felt I was proud of myself, you know, patting myself on the back. Look at me extending a hand to a stranger saying, ah, you're new in the city. You're just visiting for a while. Why don't you come have a beer with old Benny? You know, but that's that's what normal people do. And old Lane, she thinks I'm a piece of shit now. He's like, why didn't he ask if I wanted to go have a beer? Well, to be fair, you know, the other guy had a big beard and a big beer gut, you know, so that looked like a beer drinker to me. But to see, that, that's stereotyping. Oh, my God, I'm a terrible person. I'm not nice, and I, and I stereotype people. What was I talking about before the break? I was talking about the break. Like, like we're on some kind of network show. Did you buy a GM truck, everybody? Did you enjoy the commercials? Before I left to go be rude to one of Daryl's friends, um, but not before I made her worry about being assaulted. What I was talking about was my wife's blog article um, about. So, so they just ask her, you know, do you want to do the thing? She does it, and it's fucking, it's great. You know, it, 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 it's done very well. Anyway, I was talking about my wife. With her, uh, she decided to write a blog article. Somebody just offered, hey, does anyone want to tackle this blog article at one of her mommy groups on Facebook? And she's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And it was about having confidence as a first-time mom. And it fucking blew up, of course, because my wife, she writes it in, I don't know, not very long. Certainly, it took her one-hundredth of the time it would take me to do something. Me, you know, the guy who's technically a professional writer. And um, she just... She just writes this fucking blog post about the you know, trying to be confident as a mom, and she explains, you know, her situation, and, she, and it was great. It was fucking great, and it just got like a thousand hits in one day. You know, it's like it's like a that's like a thousand more people that then listen to this podcast. The thing about it that really stuck with me when she did it was that she didn't agonize over it. You know, maybe it's because. I put so much pressure on myself and was like, oh, well, you're you're a professional or you're you're a professional writer. You better sit down and and agonize and and, and suffer every word because otherwise you, you just, you know, you're not putting in your real effort when that, in fact, is incorrect. Like Sarah will sit down. She does this at her lawyer job, too. She she sits down and she just does it. She does it right away. And. She reads it. She doesn't second guess herself. What she does is she reads it over and rewrites it if it needs to be rewritten. Whereas I just, I'm constantly, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And you know what? I'll do it in three weeks from now. Okay, I'll never do it. There's no way to be Tony Robbins. Gotta be fucking consistent. You've got to know the why, but not the how. Put it on your dream catcher board. Make sure Jesus knows your plans. Then you, too, will have the power of the giant within or wherever the fuck this book is called. Me and my, uh, my friend Rob Bruno 
we both got into Tony Robbins at the same time. So we were always doing that voice to each other. The power of momentum. Just get up, Rob, and do it. Just go to the club. Just start your set. The power of momentum. The ball will be rolling. But he's kind of right. Tony Robbins is kind of right. The power of momentum. I'm actually, look, I say I'm not listening to anything Tony Robbins is saying. That's true. I'm not really. Even though, as I've said on the podcast before, a lot of his stuff is just rooted in classical conditioning. Old Pavlov's dog, motherfucker. And so you can actually, you can condition your brain to do certain things or to feel certain things or, you know. And so I'm trying to do that. And he's right about the power of momentum. You see that in basketball games. You see it in hockey games, unless you're playing the Ottawa fucking Senators, where nobody scores any goals. But you see it. Momentum is it's a crazy thing. And that's what these things are about. And so my wife is asking me, why am I doing this blog post? What's wrong with me? Why am I inviting extra work and criticism? And now I'm, I feel awkward because I put this out there in the world. And, you know, what, what business do I have doing it? And it's like, it's the power of momentum. You know, who knows what's going to come from it? But just go, go do it. And then... If you don't like the results, you can change your course. But, of course, Sarah likes the results because everybody thinks she's the cat's ass. That's a phrase they use in Newfoundland all the time. You're the cat's ass. I don't know if they use it in other parts of the world. but And I don't know where it originates. Maybe because the cat holds his ass high in the air. And so it's a, it's a lofty position. Oh you, oh, you think you're the cat's ass, do you? But that's it. She's the cat's ass. And she's been like that at her job. And it's just, and I know I talk about my wife a lot in a, in a good, in a good light for the most part, which is sweet. I'm sure you guys think I'm such a sweetheart talking about, it's just, it's not so much that is that she's a very successful person that I know very well. You know, I use her as an example a lot because I live with her and I see how a normal person who is successful is operating and it blows my fucking mind. You know, I just... Just the us oh, comedians, artists are bullshit. You know, we just we we can't think the way that they think that the the regular people. And um, we need to, we need to do that. Otherwise, you just you're just gonna keep fucking up. And so that's what I'm doing. What I'm gleaning from my wife and her lawyering and her blog posts and her organizational shit is that. I have to do similar type things, even though nobody pays you for a lot of these things. You just fucking, you just, you keep going. The power of momentum. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I have to piece this together because I kept pausing it because there's so much fucking traffic here. It's 8 p.m. on a Friday, and I'm recording this in a goddamn parking garage that's hopping with people. There are currently people outside my car right now, and I don't give a flying fuck. I'm so tired of stopping this podcast. And I'm also sorry if this podcast came off a little angry. I uh, I know I rant on every podcast, but this one I felt was a little bit jaded, you know? So uh, I'll try to be a bit happier next time around. Um, and uh, thanks again for listening. This is Mark Joseph Bennett, who's nice and calm now. I said shut up and good night.